like every conflict over the past 2000 years, uh, Mr. Harrison, uh, this is at heart a religious war. Now, understand that most of the people who live in this tiny little eastern fragment. It's about a 5% of uh, Ukraine that, that live in the Crimean area. They are Russian Orthodox. They follow the Moscow Patriarchate. Are you taking, are you taking uh, notes? About Can you 15, see my pen? Yeah, so about... Am I taking let's notes? Let's talk about that. Let's not talk about that. And about 15% of the Donbass is Muslim. Uh, now, the rest of the population of the Ukraine, almost all of it is either the Kiev Orthodox Church Patriarchate or the Greek Orthodox Patriarchate, and there are no Muslims uh, outside of uh, the Donbass. So the Moscow Orthodox Patriarch, Kirill, uh, he wants to protect Ukrainian followers who have been persecuted since Ukraine uh, split off from, you know, was ejected by the Soviets. Um, and uh, you have to understand, it's not been, you know, it's not tension. We're talking about at least 3,000 uh, uh, Orthodox, uh, Russian Orthodox civilians have been killed in bombardments by, uh, the, by the Ukrainian forces. And, and most of those casualties, by the way, are children. And it's still going on. So now, if you ask me, What's the difference between the Ukrainian uh, Kiev Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, and the Russian Orthodox Church? So maybe someone can call in, but heck if I know. Uh, but all I do know is that their patriarchs uh, wear different funny hats. Uh, it's what uh, Freud, uh, so why the battle between people who basically believe in the same God who doesn't exist? Well, Freud called it the, the narcissism of small differences. Um, and right, like the Episcopal Church, the bishop wears a yarmulke, but it's not <laughs> yeah. a yarmulke. Right. It's just pink, <laughs> different, literally. Different type, right? so, the, uh, so the one hope here is that the president of Ukraine, uh, Vladimir Zelensky, is Jewish. Um, and in other words, he doesn't have a dog in the fight. And um, though I have to say Dmitry Medvedev, who is the former president of Russia, has been uh, issuing anti-Semitic screeds saying that's why Russia shouldn't talk to Ukraine. Uh, but to add gasoline to the fire, the religious right um, uh, in Ukraine, um, now we have the return of the former president, Petro Poroshenko. I hope you're still taking notes. Who's a chocolate magnate. He's calling for blood. And of course, on the other hand, you have Kirill of, in Moscow telling Putin uh, he wants blood and Putin needs uh, the, the church to stay in power. So second question, Greg Palast, mm -hmm. is the Donbass that you mentioned earlier, the Crimea region, Russian or Ukraine? Okay, before people jump at me, I don't have a dog in the fight either, I, but I do have some in-laws there in the Donbass. <laughs> as far as they're concerned, they're Russians. But you do have They've a dog Russians. in the fight. <laughs> well, I don't Unless call my in-laws a dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they consider themselves Russians. They've always been Russians. They speak Russian. They, they defeated Hitler as Russians, not Ukrainians. And you have to understand that Ukraine and Eastern uh, and the Eastern segment of, uh, excuse me, not Ukraine, but the Crimea and the Eastern segment of Ukraine were part of Russia for two centuries, 1783 to 1954. And what happened in 54 is that Nikita Khrushchev took power uh, after Stalin died, and he was in a fight with a Politburo 
the prime minister, uh, Georgi Melenkov. So Khrushchev, to bolster his allies, simply sliced off the Crimea, sliced off the Donbass, where they're part of Tartarstan, and gave it, gave it to uh, the Ukrainian um, Soviet leader. So it was an internal battle, but it was, in other words, it was handed off in 1954. This is not some, Crimea and Donbass were not part of Ukraine for centuries. It's 1954, and that was determined by the Communist Party in fight. Um, and, and as I've, you know, uh, I, by the way, I'm posting a commentary on, and this fact sheet on Ukraine at gregpalace.com. And you'll see that um, really, if there's any group that has a claim to this area, it's the Tatars who were who uh, ruled the area for a millennium, but then were rebooted out in 1944 by Joe Stalin. So what's the Russian beef with Ukraine now? Clearly, uh, it's okay, more than so beef. It's the whole cow. It's it's the cow. So understand so that you're they're killing Russians and Russian identified people in the east, the Ukrainians. And uh, it goes back to, to 2010 when the Ukrainians actually um, elected a guy from the uh, from the Donbass area, Viktor Yanukovych. Uh, he became, but uh, he started out very friendly to the West. Uh, the West refused to give Ukraine any financial help. Putin offered help, so he became pro-Russian. And even though the U.S. Uh, said that the election was fair, uh, he was challenged by the loser Yulia Timoshenko, who's kind of this uh, ultra-right, uh, ultra-religious Ukrainian uh, nationalist. Uh, Yanukovych won re-election in 2014, but the nationalists, that is the people in power now, couldn't, uh, they were, uh, wouldn't accept the results. So they seized the capital. Now, does this sound familiar? It's like the January 6th uprising. The difference is, is that the January 6th uprising here in America did not overturn the election. But in 2014, it, the uprising, the insurrection did overturn the election. It was called, it was known as the Maidan uh, uprising. And it did succeed in overthrowing the government. And then there was a massive attack on the Russian ethnics and the Russian speakers of the East. At that point, now I have to say that the Russian speakers of the East were not exactly um, uh, nonviolent. They formed a vicious separatist movement uh, who, you know, fighting back against the, uh, the uh, Kiev forces. So again, you have this religious war to the most part. And of course, Russia, uh, the people of Crimea, whether we like it or not, voted to join Russia because they're Russians. Uh, most of them, in fact, Crimea is basically a retirement home for the uh, Russian Navy. Why the threat of war and why now from Russia? Okay, so in 2015, like a year after the right wing seized control of the government in Ukraine, uh, in 2015, there was an agreement signed to end the, the violence signed by the, the separatists, signed by the Ukraine government, uh, signed by France, Germany, accepted by Russia, which said, okay, Russia, which had gone in to protect the, uh, the Russian ethnics in the Donbass, removed all its troops and tanks, and there was a ceasefire, an agreement to give the, uh, this region, the Donbass, some autonomy uh, protect, uh, and, and protect the uh, Donbass uh, Russian ethnics. And, uh, but the Ukrainian government simply never implemented the agreement for autonomy 
for um, and never really on one hand they they claim the Donbass, but they still attack the people of Donbass. It's like there's they don't get to vote in the elections. Uh, in addition, though, on the other hand, the Russian ethnics, the Orthodox of uh, the the basically again they're part of the Moscow Patriarchate. So there's a religious war going on here. Those guys created a separatist movement, declared the Donetsk Republic as an independence group. And they're not exactly sweethearts. They're holding, you know, again, 3,000 of their civilians have been killed. But on the other hand, they're taking Ukrainian hostages. Uh, so the problem is every side gives lip service to this agreement called the Minsk Agreement. The problem, it's all lip and no service. So you're pointing out the famous pipeline that we've all heard of, Greg Pallast, the famous pipeline that is supplying Europe, uh, Europe and mostly Germany with natural gas and oil. Is this really all about the oil as we're led to believe? It's 100% about the oil because look, um, by threatening Ukraine, Putin was able to jump the price of oil to nearly $100 a barrel. Uh, Russia lives and dies on oil. 40% of Russia's entire federal budget comes from oil and gas revenues. And now uh, Russia is flush and they don't have to invade anyone. They just have to move some tanks around and suddenly they're making about a half a billion dollars clear every day while the conflict goes on. So does that mean that Putin's not going to invade Greg Palast? Well, let's is that what put you're saying? Uh, <laughs> the threat of invasion is much more valuable than the actual invasion from his point of view, from Russia's point of view, because it keeps up the price of oil. And remember, the problem of invading, of actually invading Afghan, uh, excuse me, of invading uh, all of Ukraine, is that it will give those Russians that Afghan feeling. Remember, the Soviet Union fell apart because of its uh, invasion of Afghanistan in 79. You start bringing back those body bags, it's just like Vietnam. That will bring down Putin's government. So I think that the real issue, if, if uh, I were a betting man and, and I don't, uh, I would say that uh, Biden was actually right when he said the real, what, he, uh, what he's thinking about is what he called the minor incursion by Russia. And everyone made fun of Biden, but he's dead right. I think if Russia makes any move, it'll be to go into the Donbass, into this little sliver of Ukraine that's on the Russian border and uh, protect Russian ethnics there. And um, no one in Europe is going to give a damn. NATO won't do a damn thing because it's really Russia and they know it. So to finish, what's the solution? <laughs> Now, that's easy. You know, uh, Putin's a black belt. So the only way to take down a black belt in judo is to attack them where they where they're least expecting. And uh, in this in case, the oily I, undergarments In the oily undergarments. So uh, the first thing to do is let's end this insane embargo that we have that the United States and Europe has on Venezuela. You know, we say, oh, well, they're not a democratic country. So we get our oil from democracies like Saudi Arabia and Qatar and Kazakhstan. Um, so. Let, if we end the Venezuelan oil embargo, the price of oil will collapse. Germany can then get its, uh, gas, uh, its gas supplies from Venezuela. And, uh, and then uh, Putin will have, will be in, and uh, suddenly he'll be uh, broke. And I think he's just going to say uh, to the uh, Orthodox Russians in uh, the Donbass, hey, guys, uh, I'm a little short this week. You're on your own. So if it were up to you, Greg, what would you do? <laughs> well, I'd get, well, do two things. 
Number one, let's just give it back to the Tatars. It's their country. It's not Russians or, or Ukrainians. The second is go to kpfk.org. We are in the middle of a fun drive. And I got to tell you, there's a crazy man named Greg Palast who has put up a matching grant. There's $300 left for a matching grant for supporters of Reality Check. You got to make that donation by the top of the hour and I will match it. Make me pay. This is Greg Powell saying go to kpfk.org and make your donation now. I will match it. Please, a couple, let's, let's get that, uh, let's keep this precious thing going on the air. If you think that Reality Check and, my, and the Greg Powell Fact Injection are worthwhile, join me, support this extraordinary thing, KPFK FM, We The People Radio kpfk.org go there now and don't forget to go to goharrison.com get your free newsletter you're going to get a transcript of today's show you're also going to get to see the video and a transcript of what greg was talking about earlier we will see you next tuesday i hope you have a great week harrison's reality check follow us on social media at go harrison